in the house. We have people from all around the world who are participating with us today in the reading of the word. Every weekday morning, we have what's called the read and rant, where we engage in the reading of scripture. We spend 20 to 30 minutes reading scripture, and then we... Um, we close out with a time of just reflection in the word uh, for another 20 or 30 minutes. And if time affords us, we spend some time in prayer as well, um, given what, what what's afforded to us in that day. Our posture today, as we're reading this, is we're going to ask the Lord, what is he revealing concerning himself? What is he revealing concerning people? What is he revealing concerning me? And you're, of course, you're going to be asking this for yourself, but what is he revealing concerning me or for you? What is he revealing concerning you? This is how we want to engage in the word of God today. We come in with expectation. Hey, babe, I got my wife here. Awesome. Good to see you, babe. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, we want to we want to commit this time prayerfully to hear from God. We want to commit this time prayerfully to hear what God has to say to us today. And so we're going to open up with prayer and we've got nothing prepared. I have nothing prepped. All we're doing is reading. And then afterwards, we'll spend some time in the reflection in the word. I want to say this before I even get started. The commitment that I have to you is to help you grow in your discipline in reading the word. I believe that every Christian should read through the whole Bible. Every believer should have read at least once through the whole Bible and should have read a multiplicity of times over the Bible, uh, uh, read, read through the entire Bible. So with that being said, um, we co- we've committed this time to the reading of Scripture. And in doing that, we're starting week 11 today. And in the 10 weeks that have passed, we have now, we've gone through Matthew from Matthew all the way now to first Peter guys, we've read a lot of Bible just reading from 20 to 30 minutes on weekdays. And so that's what we want to do. We want to continue to engage in that and commit to that. So that's my priority. My priority is that you would just sit in prayerful meditational posture to hear the word and to read the word with me. And then from there, we'll see where the Lord leads. Amen. All right, so let's get to it. Um, the scripture we're going to be reading is First Peter. First Peter. Um, and let's pray. Father, we ask right now that you would uh, speak to us. Lord, speak to us this morning. We need to hear from you. Father, I thank you that you brought us here, Lord. You've given us the privilege, Lord, that people from all around, Lord, are coming together to engage simultaneously in the reading of your word. So, Lord, as we read through this letter in First Peter, speak to us. Convict us, Lord, where we need conviction. Reveal who you are. And, Lord, reveal Lord, what your plan is for your people. Lord, we pray that you would encourage us, that you would empower us, that you would convict us, correct us, conform us to your image. Lord, give us hope, give us strength, and give us, uh, just encourage us in this season. Uh, We so desperately need it in this time. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. First Peter chapter one. Good to see you, Derek. Good to see you, Patty. Good to see all the family here. Let's engage. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. 
Let's do it. Verse one, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, Though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. (laughs) That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, you may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you, love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow to them. It was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who is called you holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the father who without partiality judges, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of stay of your stay here in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like gold or silver from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world was manifest in these times for you, in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again, not of of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is grass 
and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tested that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become a chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of defense as they stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now a people of God, mm. who had obtained mercy, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive by your masters with all fear, not only to be good and gentle, but also to the harsh, for this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffers wrongfully. For what credit is it if you, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth? Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return? When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, 
having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, likewise, chapter 3. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but alive by the Spirit. Hmm. By whom also we went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through the water. There is also an antitype, which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Chapter four, first Peter chapter four, therefore. Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. 
For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Wow. For we having spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, in regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them with the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. They will give you an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Oh, there's a lot here. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospital to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Speak to us, Lord. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Jesus Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a, as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, then it will end. Of the, then, then, Sorry, let me repeat that verse. For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Chapter five, the last chapter. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonor, dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Submit to God. Resist the devil. 
Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Hmm. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanus, our brother, as I consider him, I have written you briefly exhorting, and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She, who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Speak to us, Lord, in this time. Lord, we're submitting this time to you, and Lord, we ask that you would uh, give us the grace Lord, to hear what you have for us today. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Yes, Daniel, this is food for the spirit. When you read the word of God from this posture that I'm teaching you, teaching you to read God's word, not as a textbook, but as food for your spirit, not for your intellectual understanding, but for your spiritual edification. When you, when you read the word, not to get this, you know, intellectual insight, but to get spiritual revelation in a profound way that transforms you and changes you when you posture yourself that way. Reading the word becomes this incredibly encouraging and empowering endeavor. Like reading reading the word, when you don't read it to simply go, oh, I, I want to understand everything this thing says and I want to understand every part of what it says. But to actually dig into the word, like dig into it, not simply just trying to get into the minutiae of the scripture, which we could get into that. That's not what the purpose of his time is, but to just enjoy and to eat it. Have you ever gone uh, to a friend's house or maybe your mom's house or, you know, that one person that can cook, that one person that you know that can cook. You go to the house and you smell the food when you walk in and you're like, okay, this is going to be good. This is going to be really good. And then you sit down and you eat the meal. At the moment that you're eating the meal, especially if you're enjoying it, you're just enjoying it. That's all you're doing. Like you're just enjoying it. Hey, Fergie, we're on at 8 a.m., 8 a.m. every weekday morning, 8 a.m. And if you ever miss it, 
you can catch it on the font everywhere. Our Facebook group that's on the font everywhere, catch it there as well. Um, we, 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 we save all the reading rants there and it's a community that you guys can pray for each other, encourage each other. Um, it's a place where you can obviously get the reading rants that you've missed. Maybe go back and replay any reading rants that you miss, but it's also where we spend time to encourage and pray for each other and empower each other. And, uh, and there, there's a community there. There are pastors there. It's not just a platform that I have, but it's a, it's, 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 it's a, it's the church. It is. It's the church, uh, meeting there. So, um, yeah, so we started at 8 a.m. And now we've read from, we just finished first Peter. Tomorrow we start on second Peter. Notice guys, how much Bible we've gotten through in 10 weeks, only reading on weekdays for half a Netflix episode a day. Like that's crazy. But anyway, going back to what I was saying, I'm, I, the Lord is leading me somewhere here as we're in reflection. You go in and you sit down and you eat this meal and you're enjoying the meal. And as you're enjoying the meal, you're not sitting there going, I wonder which part was cooked first. Or I'd like to get the recipe on this. Or especially if you're enjoying it, when you really enjoy the meal, you're not thinking of this is how I would do it. I would probably put a little bit more of this in the meal or in the meal or a little bit more of that. Or maybe I would have put this particular item with this item. Or maybe you, 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 you just enjoy it. And when you enjoy it, you leave going, I've enjoyed it. And it's brought not just caloric value to me, but you never eat a good meal without good people around you. Rarely. Do you ever have a good meal and not have a good experience? I'm going somewhere, fam. I want to posture you as, as you read in the word, how you should be reading it. Because when you read it like it's a meal, then you begin to see the tertiary ramifications that the reading of the word brings. Like when you read it, look at the family that we formed here. Look at the people that we're connecting with. Look at the things that are happening as we're coming together and reading this word. Look at the stuff that's just, that's brewing up. Look at the revelations that you've been getting. You can point back now to people that you're connecting with, people that you're praying for. You might've got a prophetic word during this time as you've engaged in it. You might've gotten a word from God. As you've engaged in this time, we may have come together in prayer. I got a, I got a testimony from somebody who said they were healed during the TikTok live, that they were healed. They said, you prayed the next day, the pain was gone. These are the things that happen when we just sit and we just eat the word. And I love Bible study. Don't get it twisted. I love Bible study. I love me some study of scripture. I love going down and breaking down texts and expositing and exegeting texts. I love it. I love all that stuff. That stuff is good. That stuff, man, I, you know, I'm on that all the time. But I'll tell you what I love more. Just reading the word. Just enjoying the word. Just dining in the word. So this word is food. And as I'm dining in the word today, as I'm engaging in this word today, I'm praying, and I hope you guys are praying the same thing that I'm praying, is, Lord, 
tell me something that you want me to know today concerning you. Lord, what are you revealing to me concerning you? Lord, what are you revealing to me concerning your people? Lord, what are you revealing to me concerning me? What are you revealing to me concerning me? When you posture yourself that way, now you've given your soul opportunity to be fed. I'll, I'll, I'm going to take this analogy one step further. When we do Bible study and talk about Bible and talk about this, I heard a noise back. I was like, what is that? When, 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 when we just talk about the scripture and that's all we do, it's akin to people who have a great meal in front of them and all they do is they talk about how the meal was made and how it was put together. They never actually eat it. They just talk about it. <laughs> they study it, but they don't eat it. But the scriptures tell us to eat the word. Eat it, eat it, eat it. And that's what we come to do today. We're coming to eat the word. I read this text and there's so many things that we can talk about. So many things that we can break down. So many things we can exegete. So many things we can expostulate as I'm reading the scripture. But I want to leave you with this thing because... Peter, let me back it up for a second. Peter is a fisherman. Fishermen aren't the most impressive people. They aren't the most brilliant people. They aren't the people that are most regarded. They're the most ignored. And not only among that, Peter, like many fishermen, was kind of roughnecked. Peter, you know, he's, he's impulsive. Uh, Peter's selfish. He's, he's likely to have a, a fisherman's mouth. Um, Peter, before Christ, and probably sometime after Christ, if you heard how Peter talked, he probably would have made the people with propriety feel some type of way. Peter, I'll submit to you, would not be the person that you would invite to your church, let alone a person that you would make a pastor in your church or a minister in your church. And Peter is not likely to be the person that you would appoint to be the bishop or the elder or the apostle. And yet Peter has an encounter with Jesus. And in his encounter with Jesus, he takes all these weaknesses that Peter has and he flips it and he turns it into something good. Like some of those things that People naturally diminish. God can take and he can elevate and lift up. Peter has a quick, slick mouth. Now God can use it to preach. Peter has this impulsiveness about him. And now God can use that to, 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 to fuel the creative expansion of his church. Peter is not a well-regarded man. God can now use that as a way to start a grassroots movement that nobody can pay attention to. God will use the people that everybody rejects to minister the word of the gospel. That's right, Ryan. If we were to look for Peter right now, Peter would probably be in the hood, in the slums, 
doing something that you wouldn't want to be done and and probably ha- would have had a record and he probably he definitely would have had bad credit the man was in debt the man just wasn't a person that anyone would look up to and now this is the bishop of the church writing a letter to christians Peter was traveled as a result of ministry. Take a guy. I mean, think about this for a second. How, 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 how the ministry, like when you answer to the call of God, how it opens doors for you. Peter answers to God's call. I'm going to stick on Peter for a second. He answers to God's call. He goes, he, right, he has this encounter with Jesus, follows him, literally lets everything go. This is a man who was in Nazareth and Galilee, kind of just flowed in that area. He didn't go very far from there. And now Peter has traveled all around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what an encounter with Jesus does. He opens doors for you. When you actually give up your life, you actually gain it. He did, Pastor Scott. He definitely did have bad credit. I, I, I guarantee it. <laughs> guarantee it. <laughs> Peter is not, he doesn't qualify for, for, for ministry. And yet now Peter is writing a letter of encouragement. And, and it's an articulate letter. This is a guy who's not educated and he's, and he's writing an articulate letter. This letter that he's writing, um, he's writing to a people who are facing persecution. And remember, I've ranted on this and I'll rant and rant and rant and rant all day on this is if you think Christian living is easy living, you might as well back out now. As a matter of fact, the travesty for many is that they believe that the moment they come to Jesus, life gets easier, life gets better. The reality family is life does not get easier when you come to Christ. Life doesn't autom- life doesn't get better when you come to Christ. It just the only difference now is it comes with meaning. Did you catch that? We sometimes come to God thinking that life is going to get better. Our money's going to be right now. Our family's going to be all put together now. Everything's going to be easy. Everything's going to be good. And yet the promise in the scriptures is that we're going to suffer. They don't like that. They don't like that. We want this like comfortable Christianity. You know, you know what's crazy is, is that Christianity has become so passive. Christianity has become so benign. Christianity has become something that isn't of much, it doesn't compel people anymore. That now when Christians actually behave like Christians, it's radical. Even Christians will say, man, you're, man, that's radical living. Like you're, man, that's radical. Not realizing that. The Christian life is a radical life. It's a radical life. And the reality is, family, is God does not promise you no suffering on this earth. But what he promises you is that your suffering now comes with productivity. Productivity. 
that your suffering now matters. Before your suffering didn't matter. Now your suffering has meaning to it. Your suffering now matters. This is, this is the life more abundantly that God is talking about. He's not promising us comfort. He's actually promising us discomfort. But even in the presence of the discomfort, ah, he's producing something in us. You see, Christian pain is productive pain. Christian pain is birthing pain. Christian pain is the pain that once the pain reaches its climax, something good comes out of it. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. We want it easy, but we don't get it that way. And the problem with American Christianity is, is we're promising people an easy life if they come to Jesus when the reality is, no, we didn't promise you an easy life. God never promises that, but he promises a fulfilling life. He's promising a life with meaning because the life that is on this earth, it goes quickly. He says, he says in, in first Peter chapter one, all flesh is as grass and all glory and all the glory of man as a flower of the grass, the grass, the grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Are we living a Christian life for the sake of seeking worldly comfort? Are we living the Christian life with only here and now? With only the here and now, the, the, the comfort in mind? Or do we live life with the pursuit of something greater? Here are the promises that I'll give you right now. If you want to come to Jesus, here are the promises. Ready? The world's going to hate you. The world's going to despise you. The world's going to think that you're ignorant. The world's going to think that you're crazy. You will be rejected by the world. You will be rejected by people you love. You will be rejected by family. You will be rejected <laughs> by culture, by society. And yet, even though you're, you're being rejected, you still have been given the grace to influence it. The travesty family is that we almost do a Christianity that seeks to be accepted. To want people to love us. But no, when you really do this right, people will hate you. They will hate you. They, they will, people will, will cuss you out. I've said this before that while we can reach many people and we show the love of God and all of that, people will still hate you simply because of your faith. Now, people will hate you not, not because, because I, I want to make sure y'all get this right, because there are people who think that if they go and speak condescendingly 
to unbelievers that that's, that's ministry. No. Um, and I'm not saying to you as well, make sure you get this right, family. I'm not saying to you that you got to go and disrespect people because, you know, the world's going to hate us. No. As a matter of fact, what needs to happen is there needs, what people need to see is they need to see the cognitive dissonance. That even though you are loving people, caring for people, that the very people that you love are the very people that hate you. Matter of fact, it's easy to love the people that love us. And it's easy to love the people that like us. Huh? But it takes the grace of God to love the people that hate us. And yet the promise is, is that we will be rejected by people we love. We will be rejected by people we care about. We will be rejected by culture and society. Your thinking will not be popular. Why do we try to make Christianity popular? We need to make it known, but it won't ever be popular. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for those who are being saved, it is the power of God. If the gospel isn't foolishness to those who are perishing, then family, it isn't power to those who aren't being saved. Can I say that again? <laughs> if the gospel isn't foolishness to those who are perishing, then it has no power for those who are being saved. So who do you care about? Those who are perishing or those who are being saved? Because if you care about those who are perishing, then you must preach the gospel. Peter is writing a letter to a people who are not popular. He's writing to Jews and Gentiles who are facing persecution. And he's writing to these Jews and these Gentiles who are facing persecution as a result of their faith. And what Peter gives them is the hope of the gospel to say that what allows you to persevere is this hope that you have in the gospel. This is what the letter is saying. I know I can't break down all the text in detail, so I got to give you the main idea of the letter and what the Lord is speaking into me today about. He, he, he's, he's talking to the church and he's saying to them, it's not going to get better. He's telling them it's going to get worse. He's giving them insight. Go back and look at it in 1 Peter chapter 4. He lets them know it's going to get worse, but don't let that change your position. History is going to tell us later on that after Peter had written this letter um, to the Christian church, that the person who came right after that is the Emperor Nero. And the Emperor Nero was known for not just killing Christians, like just, you know, not even just crucifying them. He would torture them. He had them eaten alive by animals. He had them burned alive. He would cut their heads off and put them on, 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 on poles and have them lined up down streets to warn anyone that if they were to profess the Christian faith, that this is what would happen to them. And we think we're oppressed because somebody shadow banned us. And we think we're oppressed because somebody posted a negative comment. We think we're oppressed because somebody blocked our page. We think we're oppressed because somebody offended us. Peter's writing a letter to a people who are, who are already seeing persecution. 
And he's giving them a word of encouragement. And he's saying to them, don't forget who you are. He says, even though the world rejects you, don't forget who you are. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, a living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He's saying, you've been rejected, but in Christ you've been chosen. You, you, you've become nobodies, but in Christ now you're somebody. I was just preaching it. I posted, I'm going to post a clip later on this week on this. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. He's telling them, don't forget who you are. You see, when people are insulting you, when people are berating you, you'll feel some type of way because you don't know, you don't know who you are yet. You say, well, it's really offensive, the things that people say. Or people who are offended. Can I, can I just, can, 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 let me bring this in a little bit closer. So can, can I give you a word of wisdom? If you are offended by something somebody said to you, one-on-one, -on -one, if you're offended by something somebody said to you, I mean, hurt. Of course, there are things that people say that are offensive. But this is going to make some people uncomfortable. So I'm just going to say it. And you know, come at me later, at me, at me later on this. If you are offended by something someone said to you about you, it's because you were not convinced in the beginning about who you were in the first place. If somehow something somebody says about you hurts you, it's because you weren't yet convinced about who you are. Because if you knew who you were, you'd be quick to dismiss whatever offensive thing somebody says about you or to you. <laughs> I've said this to people before and people get upset. They go, Pastor, that's not true. I don't agree with that. I just don't agree with that. If somebody says something that's offensive, it's offensive. You know, I said, I said, all right, you know what? You are a serial killing rapist. I said, you're a serial killing rapist. You know what they did? They looked at me and they were like, what are you saying, pastor? I said, I'm calling you right now a serial killing rapist. And they're like, I'm like, are you offended? And they're like, no, I'm not offended by that because I think you're crazy if you call me that. I said, exactly. You know that that isn't true. So when I say it to you, it doesn't offend you. You quickly dismiss it as crazy. Because your conviction is it's not true. But if somebody says something about you 
that you're not yet convinced about whether it's true or not, when they say it to you, it hurts because somewhere deep down in your soul, you still believe it's true. We're offended by what the world says about us because we are, we have yet to be convinced about who we are. This is the word now. I'm getting to the word now. And because we're not yet convinced about what the about who we are, when the world talks about us, we crawl into holes. We hide. We try to make ourselves look better. We try to make it and repackage it in a way that looks nicer. We try to make it cuter for people. Because, you know, you know, we, we want to make this work. And we do this all the time. We please people. Because we have yet to love who we are and to know who we are. Jesus was spat on. Jesus was stripped naked. He was humiliated. They laughed at him. They beat him. They ripped his back. Imagine being on a, imagine carrying a cross a few blocks down the street and people laughing at you all the way there and you know the blood is beginning to fill up your lungs. You've been beat, barely able to carry yourself. And all of a sudden, imagine feeling the spit just hit you in the face. Barely able to walk. Imagine getting kicked in the back pushed, thrown down. Imagine at one point just dropping your stuff down and people laughing at you saying, look at this guy. <laughs> this is the son of God. This is the son. Here, guys, look at the son of God. Come and see the savior of the world. Come and see this clown. Imagine the things that people were saying that were insulting to Jesus. Imagine going up on that cross and, and, and having your, your arms pinned right and left, pulling yourself up just so that you could breathe. And imagine as you're doing that, people are laughing at you, calling you a joke. Will this guy die already? Look at this clown. Why won't he just come off the cross? And Jesus' response, when he was on that cross, was forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Jesus can quickly forgive the offense that the world has put on him because he knows nothing they can say can change who he is. Nothing they can say about him can change the fact that he is the son of God. Nothing that they can say about him can change Can change him. 
And so, yes, he can say, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. So somebody came up to me and laughed, even believing it, called me a serial rapist. It's easy for me to say, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they say. Because you can call me whatever you want to call me, but I actually know who I am. When they call me a crazy, cultish, whatever, they call me... uh, I'm in intellectual circles. I have a PhD in economics. They call me mindless and ignorant, a simpleton. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they say. They can call me whatever they want to call me. They can say whatever they want to say. It cannot change what I am. And it can't change who you are. In in, in in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, he says, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own people that you, you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. You are the royal priesthood. Yeah, but you know, people are going to know some of the things that I did and they're going to know some of the mistakes that I made and they're going to know some of the errors and, and, and some of the things that I've done. And it doesn't matter what they say you were or what they said you did or, or where you came from or, or it does none of that matters because you know who you are in Christ. You are the royal priesthood. Oh, but 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 I'm suffering and I'm and I'm going through a lot and, and people are calling me this and calling me that and I'm rejected. You may be rejected by the world, but you've been chosen by the creator of the world. So rather than weeping about the small people you've lost, give God praise that the greatest of great, the holy of holies, the king who is almighty, El Elyon, the possessor of the heaven and the earth, called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. The reason why you can suffer well is because you know who you are. And what Peter wanted to remind these people is even though it's going to get worse, It can't change who you are. It cannot change who you are. And even if you got a record, it can't change who you are. And even if you got bad credit, it can't change who you are. Even if you've got some things in your past that you know that you should not have done, it can't change who you are now. You are the royal priesthood. Notice, you are a royal priest. You are a priest king. You are royalty and you are a pastor. You are a minister. You are a 
a healing agent to the world. You have been called out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Stop letting people say who you are. Stop letting people bring up your past. Stop letting people bring up what you used to do. It's not about what I used to do. It's about what Jesus did for me. He's called me out of the darkness into the marvelous light. I have been called by Jesus. So forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And if I can suffer with Christ, then I can take part in his resurrection. If I can suffer with Christ, then I get to be a co-heir and partaker of his glory. If I can suffer with Christ, oh, we're going to rebrand Christianity. We're going to be unapologetic people who love the world, even though the world hates us. We're going to be unapologetic people who, even though we face suffering, we never lose hope. We're going to be unapologetic people who don't seek for God to do for us, but to seek for God to live through us. We're going to become unapologetic people who move in the power of God. That the world may declare his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God bless you, family. God bless you. May this rant be an encouragement to you. May this rant remind you, even as you read this word, that you are who you are and nobody can change that. Not a single person can change that. Father, I thank you. Lord, for this time. Lord, as we are closing, Lord God, I, I I just pray, Lord, that you would impart your spirit upon us that we are reminded that you have overcome the world. You have overcome the world, that we are not of the world, Ah, but we're still in it. But it doesn't change who we are. 